All right, I know you guys. I know you guys watched some of the games this past two weeks. Did you guys hear Gary say he likes ah? He listens to new wave. He likes. Yeah. He mentioned madness, and then later in the same game, he started talking about Parliament. Yeah, well, coincidentally, we've had record reviews on madness and Parliament. Well, I think I think Gary might be listening to Lugie, and I think that oh, pretty much confirms it. So I'm just going to yeah. say hello and welcome, Gary. Gary, welcome again. Four of Lugie. We know you're he listening to us. Yeah, he's listening to us on the sly, but. We know he's got to, you know, he needs material. In fact, if I may, Keith and Ron and Gary were like, we've been doing this for too long. We're, we're running out of it. They actually said we're running out of material. So obviously, Gary is turning to Loogie for material. Bastards. They're Give looking elsewhere. Well, where where else better to look than here at Loogie Podcasts with people like Jack and Andrew here as always, bringing, bringing the Mets news since last two weeks uh the mets are seven and five record is now 89 and 53 still first place in the standings game and a half ahead of the braves we didn't have a show last week because the braves overtook us and we couldn't mention that at the top of the show no so let's get right into the observations this these past two weeks andrew what did you notice Notice it's been a up and down couple of weeks. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. we are in our what's supposed to be kind of our cakewalk part of the schedule uh, that we should be dominating, and the team, especially offensively, has kind of just been all over the place. Yeah, you know, we dropped two to the Nationals. We lost, I think, two to the Pirates. We just lost last night to the Cubs, but. When we're winning, we're winning big. When we're losing, we're not scoring at all. Uh-huh. Just, you know, in this pa- in September, our wins, we're scoring 7.8 runs per game. Our losses, 1.8 runs. So it has really just been feast or famine for the offense, and that's really just deciding if they show up, we win. If they don't show up, we lose. Yeah. And that's really curious because we're facing the Pirates Nationals and Cubs, as you're saying, and it so it's not it's not like we're facing aces, and that's why we're kind of struggling at times, and then succeeding at other times. It's it's very weird, especially after we took that series from the Dodgers, which is what uh, started off this two weeks, which seemed like a great direction we were headed after taking two from the best team in baseball. We go to Washington and lose two. We lose that series. We lose the first game to the Pirates, and yesterday. My cubbies just made the Mets look like they were in fourth place in their division. Pretty sad, but um, yeah. I, th- there's been a lot of positives too. Um, yeah. Escobar has come back from the injured list, and he is absolutely crushing the ball. Andrew, I don't know if you have any stats on him in particular, but I just—he's been unbelievable, hitting home runs, hitting for power like we thought he could in the beginning of the year, and hitting for average as well. Um, he said. Uh, Gary said that he mentioned that he watched a lot of film over this uh, injury, and he noticed he was squatting a little more than he used to. So apparently now he's squatting less. Gary said he watched some tape as well and compared now to then before the injury, and he said he couldn't notice anything. So I, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> it's in his but head. Something's it's in his head. Right now. He's crushing the ball. McCann and Nito are, are pitching in as well. Well, Escobar's squatting less because he stopped eating all that chili. So, you know, he <laughs> eat too much of that chili, got a lot of squatting going on. I just want to say, I'm glad to see the Braves are on the West Coast having to face the Mariners and the Giants tonight and tomorrow yeah. night. So that's going to help us a lot. And they got six games against the Nats left and six games against the Phillies. So their schedule is not, is not that hard. Um, but ours is a little easier. So obviously that's going to be a difference. You know the bottom line is, I mean, we we won the ser- we won the series against Pittsburgh. We won the series against Miami. We'll win the we'll beat the Cubs the next two. We're going to win that series too. Obviously, you want to sweep these series against these lower teams. But you know, coming off that that tough series against the Dodgers and the Yankees, and that that was a very tough stretch we went through. The Yankees, Dodgers, Phillies, and all. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it's just it's just. I mean, that's just, shit's going to happen. You know, what can you say? But Escobar hitting and the catchers are hitting. And I have never given up on, on McCann. I 
I like his swing. I like his mechanics. I don't know why he's not a better hitter, but um, you know, as always, it's going to come down to uh, um, clutch hitting and good pitching. And we are going to be the team with the clutch hitting and the good pitching when it comes right down to it. Um, we're going to talk a little about Scherzer here a little bit. Obviously, that's an important topic. But um, looking forward to nice game. Jake's on the mound, so um, ready to rock and roll. What else we got going on? It should be a win. I I, went, uh, I was out at a music festival for three days, so I missed a lot of shite. So keep get me up to date, fellas. What's going on? Are you still Are you still high on acid, Jack? From oh, that crazy man. music it festival was, you went to? Uh, tie dye T shirts. I bought like seven. <laughs> I bought seven tie dye T shirts. Didn't realize it till I got home. I looked in the bag and I'm like, I bought seven tie dye T shirts, double XLs. What am I gonna do with them? That's that's what mushroom, <laughs> that's what mushrooms will do to you. Well, so get me up to date. What's going on? Exactly. Well, um, since you were gone, uh, Giorme yeah. and May are coming back from the IL. I don't know if you've okay. heard. That's oh, yeah, pretty exciting. Talking talking about clutch hitting and pitching. Uh, and sadly, Marte has gone on to the IL. Andrew, do you know how long that is? They hopefully it'll be minimum. I know they had listed him as day to day, even after the injury, and then. I guess maybe they realized it was a little bit more serious than they thought, so they put him mm-hmm. on the IL. But hopefully, it was you know just a you know hit by a pitch to the hand. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, minimum, but you know you never know with things like that. No, and a lot of times that's that kind of injury that you come back from, but your swing is affected, and we saw that with um who who had that problem. Uh, Lindor had it. Lindor had that problem. So obviously, Marte needs to go to the two glove system. Yep, and uh, and everything will be fine. Of course, Wayne Kirby may not make it through the season if they've got two guys on <laughs> two gloves. But uh, you know, no, not keel over Kirby. Keel over Kirby. I did see after that hit by pitch, Marte did stay in the game, and immediately Kirby was putting the the two gloves oh, on his hands. Oh, so geez, <laughs> I'm sure that'll keep going. Crazy with the two gloves. I'm sorry. All right, what else? Okay, oh, makes back. That's big because you know we need to. I think there's a couple of guys that might need a day off here. They're coming down a stretch. Lindor for one, yeah. Neil for another, and those guys have been playing every day since Guillaume went down. Yeah. Um, and May just, you know, he's pitched pretty well here lately. Um, it just we have too many guys that are the same uh, coming out of the bullpen. None of them have really stepped up and said, "I'm going to be the setup guy for Diaz. I'm your shutdown." What we need is a shutdown guy, not a setup guy. We need a shutdown guy in the eighth inning or in the seventh. Yeah. And none of these guys have stepped up and said, I'm I'm your man. Um, so hopefully somebody in September of our group with Givens, May, Lugo, and I'm probably forgetting somebody, um, steps up and says, I'm your, your shutdown guy in the eighth inning. I do think for the bullpen that we we've kind of, for some reason, been – looking at him not like a shutdown guy, even though his numbers have been incredible, is Adam Adovino. We we don't talk about him as a guy that we have trust in, but if you look at his, just going back to August, he's made 18 appearances. He's given up three earned runs. Mm. He he is, has been lights out, but for some reason, me included, I, I don't consider him our shutdown eighth inning guy, but he has been absolutely dominant, so I do have a lot of confidence in him. Well, Andrew, I'm glad you mentioned him because I did want. I, you're right. I had thought about that. We never. I think there's two things against him, in my opinion. His age at 37, 38. How much yep. is left in the tank here in a long season? And the other thing is, honestly, that sliding slider is like his only pitch. Now, granted, he's been spotting his fastball really well and setting up the slider, which is why he's been successful because of the fastball. Um, but if his fastball is not spotted well, he only has is that sliding slider. And is that enough to make you the shutdown eighth inning? But as you say, his numbers certainly indicate that he is that guy. But we're still looking for the power pitcher. We're looking for the guy who's throwing the heat and yep. is mowing people down. And he's just not that guy. So, and we, who, didn't we call somebody up recently? Yes, we did. Mark Vientos got called up. Oh, how'd he do last night or the other night? Uh, I don't think he swung the bat last night, but the night before he was the DH, I believe. Started at DH, which is interesting for a guy getting called up. Andrew, how'd he do? He 
still is without a hit. He's 0 for 5 in his career, uh, which was just that one game. He he went 0 for 5 with two strikeouts. So not enough, obviously, to go off of yet. Extremely small sample size. I don't really know how much playing time he'll get, but if it were me, I'd put him in over rough anyway. So maybe, maybe he'll get out there a little bit more. I did see four of his at-bats. His first at-bat, he got struck out in three pitches. Two of them were just heaters that it looked like he wasn't, you know, he was adjusting to the major league heater. And then the next three, I think he got a good hold of the ball, and I think he popped out. But one of them was warning track power. So, you know, he he was he, he started seeing it there. So I think maybe maybe this maybe tonight he'll get his first hit hopefully i mean sometimes you call guys up in september hoping to you know just get lucky and somebody gets red hot and we've seen that happen with certain players in the past who just have a hot september and really add a lot to the team uh in in the pennant race that's going on um you know a bad uh, brett Beatty obviously ended up not being the guy who could get hot and and add something to the team Vientos isn't going to be either. Yeah, and no matter what happens at this point, on it's September 13th, so no matter what he does the rest of the way, he's not going to be in a postseason roster. But um, you know, we just—I mean, we weren't expecting anything from these guys. I mean, they were called up because there's injuries and there's room on the roster. So you know, no big deal. It's uh, we'll wait till next year. Yeah, I agree. But, it's, it's no big. You know, but Andrew made a good point regarding uh, Vientos over rough at this point. I just want to say, Lugie said a month ago, of all the transactions and all the trades that Apple made at the deadline, Ruff was going to was probably the biggest disappointment. We thought Vogelbach yeah. was an upgrade. We saw um uh, uh Naquin as an upgrade, but Ruff is five star player. Was, five, yeah, five, five he's a five tool player. Five tool player. <laughs> he's like a two and a half tool player he's a five tool player but he's only half as good as as the best five tool player in each <laughs> of the categories so he's a five times half anyway but lugie okay. said rough sense. was the one disappointment <laughs> of the deal that we made where we should have gotten somebody better especially given our performance against left-handed starting pitching and we're seeing that now rough is a disappointment and we should have pulled the trigger on on a better bat <laughs> if we're going to win now and we Go listen to the tapes, Gary. We said Ruff was the disappointment <laughs> in terms of uh, an upgrade on what we already had. And um, so there you have it. So Lugie, again, ahead of the curve. Don't you right. agree? Yes, definitely. All right. Agree. Oh, and here's some, let me hear an amen. Amen, Amen. Right. Amen. Right. Preach right. on. Preach on, Lugie. Right. Uh, how about you pre- net your next uh sermon be about the pinch runner <laughs> well, the pinch runner you know, is back okay you know a roster spot opened up for somebody who could pinch run and um gary did mention buck asked who is a faster who has more speed jankowski or gore and the answer came back gore so buck was course said neither of those guys are ever gonna bat so i'm gonna take gore instead of jankowski <laughs> so I'm, i want some speed on the bench in september so I looked at Gore's statistic. This has to be, I don't know who else, this has to be the only guy in Major League Baseball. 2016, Terrence Gore, three at-bats, 11 stolen bases. <laughs> I mean, how could you have three times, four times as many steals in at-bats? Is incredible. In 2018, five at-bats, six stolen bases. So two seasons in the major leagues, this guy has more stolen bases than at bats. So yes, baseball <laughs> reference appropriately lists his position as pinch runner because that's all this guy is. He's also a reserve outfit, of course, but yeah, he's just a pinch runner. But that is an amazing sound. I don't know if Gary ever talked about this because he sometimes will mention those kinds of things. Andrew, did you hear anything yeah. on Gore? The The funny thing that I like about Gore is that he... So he has about 70 career at-bats, but he is a two-time World Series champ. Uh, he's got two rings, one with the Royals and one with wow. the Braves last year. I, I didn't know he got rings on, on both yeah. seasons. Oh, yep. my gosh. That's incredible. Jeez, what a what – a, uh, uh, this guy should play the lottery. I mean, that's yeah. amazing. More, th- three at-bats, 11 steals in 2016. So that was the year, the year after the Royals. 
I'm surprised more fast people don't just join the MLB, you know? <laughs> just uh, apparently all now you got to be is fast. On. We talked about Herb Washington, Olympic sprinter, not a good base dealer. So, you know, you, you need other skills. <laughs> Come on, host. Get with it. I guess it. you need a little bit of you need, you need a little bit of instinct, I guess. All right. Um Anything else interesting happen? Last Mets news is uh, Max Scherzer decided to get ejected without being a part of the game the other day. Oh, uh, wasn't that something? There's only one guy that glad, was glad that Max was ejected. You know who that was? Take a guess. Uh, Max Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter was glad he got yeah. ejected. Why? Because every time the camera goes to the dugout, Max was standing next to him and jabbering away, jabbering away. Now, you know Buck <laughs> likes to focus on the game and concentrate what's going on, but there's Max. Yakety, yakety, yakety. Buck is sitting there going, geez, I hope this guy gets ejected because I can't take much more of him standing <laughs> next to me. And sure enough, Max got ejected, so... Oh, you got to love Max. That's the second time he got ejected from the bench this year. That could be a record, too, for a player. I don't know. <laughs> All right, when's he do He's back? got fire. That's why we love him. When's he do back? So right now, the hope is that he will make the minimum trip on the IL, and he'll be back September 19th. So in about a week, uh, apparently he's scheduled to make a rehab start in the next few days. Hopefully that will go well. I know he said that it was just a precautionary thing. That was even him taking himself out of the game because he knew if he stayed in and got hurt even worse, he would regret it forever, I guess. So he pulled himself out to be safe. So I'm yeah, okay he with knows, it. Yeah, he knows the World Series coming. Well, one thing, I guess Peterson is taking his slot. Yeah, I think so. See, and that's to me, that's disappointing because I would love to have seen Peterson get some more work as a reliever. Yeah, because we're gonna need that second lefty arm in the pen. Now he's, I think he's gonna be that guy anyway. But it would have been nice if he had gotten been able to get some work out of the pen and kind of get his arm uh, adjusted to that. So that that is one downfall of Max coming on a DL and Peterson stepping in. Um, is that yeah, he's not gonna get work out of the pen. So unfortunate. But anyway, what's next? Uh, other news around the league. We've got big rule changes coming, Andrew. Uh, we got pitch clock. Ban on the shift and bigger bases next year. Let's uh, let's talk about this, boys. Um, Andrew, get, go ahead and break down the pitch clock for us. What's what's new? What's happening? So the pitch clock is going to be that the rule is the pitcher must begin their motion within 15 seconds of the last pitch when there's mm-hmm. no one on base. So if he get one, I think it's as soon as he gets the ball back, he has 15 seconds to start pitching again. If there's okay. a runner on base, he has 20 seconds. And, okay. you know, there, there are a few other minor rules. And, you know, if you break the rule, it's either an automatic ball if the pitcher broke the rule or an automatic strike if the batter did. But the gist is 15 to 20 seconds in between pitches. Well, I obviously, I mean, I, I went to, I went to, uh, I went to Asheville two weeks ago and saw a beautiful ball game in Asheville. And then I went to Knoxville um, and saw the Cubs double A. Uh, team down in Knoxville last week, both with pitch clocks. And it definitely makes a difference because I don't really notice it as the game's going on. But one thing I did notice at the end of the game, I'm like, I didn't complain once about how long the pitcher took to throw the ball. So that was good. Now, there's going to be more to say about this, but we should maybe save it for the offseason because we could talk about guys like Pete Alonso who take 40 seconds to get back in the back into the box <laughs> but the pitch clock is going to be huge ron darling said he went to a game and he thought it was great so that's the way to go andrew i don't know if you have anything else on that pitch clock i am just one thousand percent in favor of the pitch clock if you just look at the numbers i think they're saying on average the minor league games have been 26 minutes shorter which is massive which is awesome i think even more importantly than the length of the game is the time, just the time in between pitches, which yeah. is the most obvious thing. But when you're watching the game, again, you, you don't really notice how long you have been watching, but I feel like you will notice just the pace is so much quicker and the action is so much closer together yeah. that that I think will be the biggest thing. Uh, the other thing that I've seen from the minor leagues is stolen bases are up a lot. Both in yeah, yeah. attempts and successful stolen bases are both up. So we should see a lot more running, uh, which is exciting. But to me, yeah. the most fascinating thing about the pitch clock is 
a possibility that could happen. Uh, I was reading an article from Fangraphs, and the author basically said that right now there's a lot of relievers that go completely max effort on every pitch, and they need about 25 seconds or so to rest in between pitches. Mm. But now they're not going to have that, which means a lot of pitchers probably aren't going to be able to go max effort every time, which means a little bit less velocity, less break on their you know, on their breaking balls, probably, you know, in the long run, less strikeouts, which could also mean more balls in play. So I think there is actually going to be a massive, massive effect just on the pitch clock rule by itself. And I'm really excited to see what it does. Well, the other thing that could do is that if your relievers aren't as effective, you could start to see starters go longer. Yep. And what you also will see from that is that as used to happen back in the day, a you used to be fairly often at a starter in the major leagues, they would decide, you know what, you're better in the bullpen. We have more use for you. You never see that anymore. When's the last time you see the starter suddenly become a reliever? Very right. rare. Um, and I'm not even talking about Smoltz, because Smoltz went from starter to stopper. I'm just talking about a guy to be a long guy, a middle reliever type. So you might start seeing more of that where guys like, let's say, uh, Peterson, McGill, those kind of guys, if you've got a loaded rotation, to be like, you know what? You could be a middle reliever who will give us two winnings consistently. And you know how to pitch like a starter does. And that's where you can make a difference. So a lot of a lot of interesting things could come out of this. And we'll talk more about that in the offseason and next season and next season as it evolves. All I'm going to say is I like it. Let's move on to the shift ban. This is pretty big news, I think. Andrew, how are they going to do this? Yeah, it definitely is big news. The The shift ban, the rule is that all four infielders must be on the dirt while the pitcher is on the rubber. So I'm assuming that means once the pitch is thrown, fielders can move a little bit, but they have to start on the dirt. And they also have to start two infielders on each side of second base. Mm -hmm. So you still can shift. You just can't have these massive shifts where the shortstop is already, you know, to the right of second base in the outfield. You have to at least start with some kind of normal alignment and then you can move a little bit, but it will definitely be drastic because we have seen some crazy shifts the last few years. Yeah. I mean, I just read a stat on Otani who's lost 24 hits by the shift, but gained 12 hits by the shift. But that 12-hit net results in about a 30-point batting average difference. I mean, it's it's, right. you know, it's a huge thing. So I personally am against outlawing the shift. Teams should be able to play defense however the heck they want to play defense just because they have statistics about where a guy hits and I'll set up my fielders appropriately. Um, it doesn't make any sense why that should not be allowed. And as has been discussed by many other people, if you want to, if the shift is giving you issues, learn how to go the other way. Um, so yeah, it's like telling the, in the NFL, you know, you can't play a a zone two. Now I have no idea, (laughs) no friggin' idea what a zone two is, but I heard Tony Romo (laughs) say it the other night. So I'm going to say zone two. So yeah, I, I I don't like it, but. You know, it is what it is. It'll be fine. <laughs> we'll all survive. What about four Jack, outfielders? Is that going to be an outlawed? I mean, uh, what does that mean? Well, I'm sorry. What? Go ahead. What's What's next? I'm just going to say we all know you didn't watch any football this weekend. I did so not. Quit it with the Romo talk. Um, yeah. but I think I think this is oh, like you were saying, Jack. It's it is going to affect batting averages and pitching stat statistics as well. And I, I was wondering if it's going to be big enough to where people are like, we're going to have a pre-shift band era and a post-shift band era yeah. or something like that. Because um, it, could, it could be big. I don't know. And I'll, also, it might be interesting since you can't have you can't have an infielder in the outfield to start. Maybe they'll bring a left fielder all the way into shallow right or something. You know, hey. how the second baseman plays kind of like that's a great point, outfield, Zachary. They, they could move an entire outfielder and have two right fielders playing in the outfield, which could be interesting to see. Uh, you know, and that's brilliant. I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, you could definitely have um, 
your left fielder move to where that deep second baseman would have been playing. And then your center fielder could shift a little over toward yeah, left center. We, yeah, you could definitely. I, I'm, you're right. I'm, we're going to see that. We're going to see yeah. outfielders moving around. That's a very good point. I think we might see at least one inside the park home run next year just because, just because of that. <laughs> yeah. It'll, right. it'll be like when we used to play softball when you always had 10, <laughs> you had the short fielder. You had 10 yeah. players and everyone was a short Man, fielder. Damn. We're going to see a short fielder of the three outfielders. I'm definitely mixed on this rule as well. I I do think that, like Jack said, you should be able to play your defense wherever you want. Yeah. But my only reason for kind of being on the flip side is we've said for, what, 10 plus years now they've been shifting that, you know, why don't you just go the other way? Guys should be bunting. Guys should be learning to go against the shift. But they're just not. It's just not yeah. happening. As much as we want people to do that, nobody is. Guys are just like, eh, I don't care if the shift. I'm still just going to pull it as much as I can and hope that some of these are going to turn out to hit. So I think it's it's just failed. It's failed that no one has adjusted as much as we would want them to. So mm-hmm. maybe – and also the shift is getting better. Every year, less and less batted balls are turning into hits. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just – for some reason, I don't know why, they just haven't adjusted, and I don't know if they ever will. So that is the only thing that makes me kind of okay with it is, you know, we'll see some of those guys just getting some more hits, more balls in play, hopefully a little bit less strikeouts, and, you know, we'll see. Uh, I got I got another question. How, how many games into the season next year do you think it will be before there's a review on whether one of the infielders had a foot on the outfield grass. Do you think it'll be the first day, or do you think it'll be a while before a challenge like that is necessary? Because that's going to be annoying. Yeah, I could see that happening almost immediately. I wonder if it'll be one of those, oh, it's not. sorry, it's not reviewable. It's even definitely though- not. No way it'll be reviewable. I think it'll be the responsibility of the second base, of, of the umpires, to to look at that. Now, what happens if somebody has his left foot on the grass? God, God only knows. I don't yeah, know. I, yeah. Is that going to be like a single or? It's uh, a, a the rule is it's an automatic ball. If okay. uh, if they're not my, my yeah my other worry with that is we're gonna have these umpire conferences where they call in the crew chief, they call in the home plate umpire, they chat for five minutes, and then the result is oh yeah, sorry, it's a ball. So you could throw. You yeah. got an intentional walk by just having your infielders all stand on the outfield grass. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just, all right. Anyway. anyway. Of them. <laughs> all right. Enough about that one. Holy. All shit. right. Let's get on to larger bases next year. That'll change mm-hmm. some things. Andrew, what's the what are the dimensions now? Yeah, this one's probably the least exciting and the least impactful. Uh, right now, I think the bases are fifteen inches. I guess 15 inches by 15 inches and moving forward, they will be 18 by 18. So really the only difference gameplay wise, there should be absolutely no difference. It's Mm -hmm. really just about preventing injuries, giving a little bit more space for both the runner and the fielder. So there's less collisions, less guys being stepped on. Uh, So I don't think there will be any difference in the way the game is played. Hold on grasshopper. Whoa. I have a feeling if if you have a smart manager, a smart GM, this could make a big difference from your for your team. Only because bases are now four and a quarter. I did I did the trigonometry on this, or geometry, whichever one it is. Yep. <laughs> uh, four and a quarter inches closer. Oh. I believe that's correct. And I have to start wondering if certain guys with good speed, not necessarily the best base stealers will suddenly become pretty decent base dealers. And a guy on our team that comes to mind is Brandon Nimmo. Mm. Could he suddenly be a guy who could steal 20 bases a year? Yeah. Because four inches is a lot of inches when it comes to stolen yeah. bases in certain cases. Now, overall, Andrew's right. There aren't a lot of guys in this category. But as a general manager, I might be looking for a guy who maybe went 10 for 17 in steals last year or eight for, you know, eight to 10 stolen bases and maybe 40 or, I mean, a 50 to 60% success rate. I might say, 
I could stretch this guy out and maybe get 15, 20 stolen bases at him in right circumstances. I mean, yeah. I, that could happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but four and a half inches in a stolen base attempt can be significant. So some of these borderline guys, it could make a difference. And, and Nimmo yeah. is one to look at. And think about a guy like Lindor who hasn't run a lot yeah. this year. He all of a sudden, they might decide, let's run this guy all the time. I, again, it, it may not mean a damn thing, but because you could have a bigger lead too now, because your base first base is closer than it used to be. So right. Anyway, we shall see. That's all I want to say about that because we we'll, we just gotta wait and see what happens there. But let's let's move along. Well, uh, I'll add one thing. It's, oh, it's, I'm sorry. Did I say move along too soon? Yeah, you did. You really did. You really you really disrespecting the host. It's good to be back. Getting really back to the host. I'm glad you're healthy again, too, by the way, host. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I can smell and taste. It's great. Um, so, you know, every bang bang play you've seen this year and any years in the past are going to go to the runner now. All the ones that, you know, you're tagged out by an inch, now you're going to be yeah. safe. So there will be more runs generated from this rule, but you yeah, it's probably not significantly in any way. All right. Let's move on. That was a pretty useless thing to tack on in the end. Albert Pujols passed A-Royd with his 697th home run. He's now fourth place all time. You guys think he can get to 700? I think he's got to. Well, the question also is, do you want him to get to 700? And I'll let Andrew answer those two questions. Will he and do you want him to? Uh, Let's see. Will he? He needs... Three more home runs. I think he will. Right now, he has been... Well, he's really been dominating all year, honestly. And the biggest reason is they're only playing him against lefties. And he's getting to DH. In the past, he was either playing every day when he was on the Angels. And then last year with the Dodgers, there was no DH in the NL. So he had to play a lot of first base. Of course, have a lot of home runs. Yes, absolutely. So I think with the way he's playing, and I don't know what their schedule is like, but I'm sure they have some games coming up against the Reds or against the Cubs or against the Pirates. Uh, Sorry, I shouldn't have said the Cubs there. But uh, (laughs) I'm sure – yes, he's going to do it. He's going to hit 700. Well, the other thing too is if he's close, he'll play every day. Yeah, hopefully. Because they got nothing to lose. So go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. Well, I was for your other question, should he or do I want him to? Yeah, do you want uh, him to? Yeah, I, I would love to see some history. I feel like there are very few long-standing, you know, historical milestones that we, like me and Zach, have gotten to see because guys just mm. don't play as long. They don't play as much. The numbers that yeah. players racked up in the past just are almost impossible today. And these are one of the ones yeah. that he can still get. So I, I would love to see it. That's good. I would love to see it too, but I also think it'd be hilarious if he got to 699 and then he just could oh. <laughs> do it. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not nice. I know it's not nice. It's funny though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with Andrew. I wanted to get 700. Are you going to say something? Do you care about goals? Or are you going to make fun of his last name again or something? Well, I, I think for for your guy's sake, because of what Andrew said about historical moments, I hope he does get it for your guy's sake. Because um, it is nice to be part of that kind of history when it's made. And Alex Rodriguez should be completely stricken from the record book completely of anything he's ever <laughs> done because of his lying and his steroids and treating Jennifer Lopez so poorly. Next. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> Cody Bellinger what? Uh, oh my gosh. Hey, Cody Bellinger went 4 for 8 last week. And I'm uh, sorry, Cody Bellinger what? went 4 4 for 8 in his last two games. So he got his batting average up to 203. Oh my gosh. From 197 Cody. to 203. This guy is awful. He's Man. got 3 RBIs in his last 10 games and they they put him in there every night. So, future pirate Cody Bellinger, 203. Again, Loogie ahead of the curve. He's, uh, he's leading the best team in the league right now. So, all right. Jack, what, what's gotten under your skin this week? A couple of things got under my skin. First of all, you know, Subway, Sub Shop, 
You know, oh. guys have heard of Subway, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they've been suffering the last couple of years. Sales are down. Profit is down. Let's face it. Why Why do you think that is? Because their sandwiches suck, okay? Their sandwiches suck now. For some reason, they think <laughs> they, could, they could change our mind about their sandwiches sucking by bringing in really <laughs> highly paid spokespeople. I mean, okay, the other night, commercial for Subway. You know who's on this commercial? Charles Barkley, oh, yeah. Tony I've Romo, Steph Curry, Simone Billis, Gronkowski, and I think Marshawn Lynch sneaks in there at the end somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, look, your sandwiches suck. I don't care who you get to be a spokesman. How much money are you paying these people to convince us to eat your sh shite? A lot of money, and it's not going to work. So what's bothering me? Subway is so stupid to think that these people are going to convince us to eat their crappy food. That's any, Anyone else pissed off this week? Because um, I got one yeah. other thing pissing me off I got to talk about. But, Zach, you go ahead first. Well, I just want to say right now, I agree with you 100%. That commercial makes me just, just repulses me in every way, especially because yeah. I can now – I can now probably recite that commercial. If you put it on, I could sing along to it with no lyrics underneath or anything. It is, no. it's, it's all I see, and it's weird. It's, it's, all, it's, all these famous, it's all these famous people. And then Gronkowski's like, Gronkowski's like, what are we talking about? And then Romo's yeah. like, the dumbass. for nothing. And then they yeah. laugh and laugh. I'm like, this guy sold out. This guy sold out his intelligence. And then they all go to Jimmy John's together to get a real sub. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right I can't believe you that. said Jimmy John's. There's so many better options than Jimmy John's. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, but, yeah, that's fine. All right. I got something that's been bothering me. Watching baseball more than I've watched baseball in my life this year. I'm noticing all the people that sit right behind the plate. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> they're Yuck. always on their phone. They're always on their phone. If 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 you if any three of us had a seat right behind home plate, how locked in would you be to the, and see, I mean pitch. I'll give credit to a lot of the fans I see behind home plate. They're locked in. But there's some people that just don't give a crap. And and so I had this idea. You guys tell me if this is stupid. But I think this would increase ticket sales at MLB games. You every game, you have the chance if you buy a nosebleed ticket to get upgraded to be brought behind home plate. So home plate behind home plate will be full every game with people from the nosebleeds. Not the full thing. Like you can still purchase them, but that front row, that very front row, is people from the nosebleeds. And I think people would 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 be willing to buy tickets to nosebleeds just for a chance. Like a promotional thing. You get maybe you can sit behind home plate. Andrew, what do you would think? You do it? Andrew, would you do it? I love it. I think that's a fantastic idea. They used to do that at the Devils games. Two random people would get their yep. seat upgraded every game, and they would get to – at one point, it was you would get to sit down on the ice, and then eventually they did some weird gimmick where you could sit in like a reclining living Whoa. room chair or that's something, awesome. which uh, I guess was pretty cool. But, yeah, no, I, I am all for that idea. No, that's a great idea, Zach, and a lot of minor league teams – I haven't seen any lately, but in the making breaks, they used to have one. They used to put – they had two recliners on top of the dugout. And you could sit in these <laughs> recliners on top of the dugout, which, yeah, yeah I would love to do that. Awesome. But, you know, the other thing, too, is that could be sponsored by somebody, like Subway. No, not Subway. Oh. It be <laughs> and you get all the all the Popeye's chicken you want because it's sponsored by Popeye. Oh, heck Popeye's. yeah. Popeye's. <laughs> that Popeye the sailor, man. Popeye's the chicken place. <laughs> and that would be a great idea. Uh, Popeye's lucky two fans of the day, all the Popeye's well, you can eat. Absolutely. I think it, I, I'm thinking the whole row, and then you know, you're know you going to lose on ticket sales for that row, but then just make that price that was going to be front row the next one up, and nobody will blink an eye uh, buying uh, those tickets. Money is not the issue and, for that, but you're right. You're right. And everybody, and everybody will be looking. Everybody on that front row will be so enthralled with the game and the opportunity that they've been given to sit behind home plate. They'll be really into it. It'll just make the whole experience better of watching on TV, too. It's just... Uh, Gary, get on that. Gary, tell people at City. Come on. All right. Uh, let's. I got one more thing I got to talk about because this, is really, this is really interesting. 
O'Neill Cruz, one of the top 10 prospects in, in all of baseball last year, now the starting shortstop for the Pirates. In 67 games, he has struck out 98 times, Whew. although he does have 14 home runs. But the other night against the Mets, did you guys see this? Ground ball to McNeil. McNeil at second base, bobbles the ball, drops it on the ground, picks it up, and gets O'Neill Cruz by a couple of steps. And you should have seen McNeil stare that SOB down. <laughs> he was like, you lazy ass. Two-timing, you know, it was just, McNeil just stood on his head. You, you, you're just pathetic. Now, O'Neill Cruz happens to have one of the top five batter's box to first base speeds and all the baseball on top of that. This guy is lightning quick from home to first. And McNeil still gets him, and McNeil just stared his ass down like, you are pathetic. So that that is another thing that was so sad to see, that O'Neill Cruz jogging it down the first baseline with all that speed. So anyway, I just, I just the way McNeil stared him down, I had to throw it in there. Wow, good, good shout out. Good moment this week with the Mets. Uh, let's talk about someone else who's always disappointing us. The Joe West Award this week. Who is the worst umpire this week? Or the past two weeks, I guess. The, uh, the worst umpire Joe West Award is oh, Nestor Keha Seha. I'm almost positive we've had him before. I remember mispronouncing his name in the past. <laughs> uh, he, he umped in the Mets-Dodgers game. He actually helped out the Mets, gave us two-thirds of a run in a one-run nice. game. Uh, but yeah, just it's just unacceptable at this point. I really don't know what else to say. Uh, speak, speaking of Six. bad umpires, did you guys see any of the Angel Hernandez oh, yeah, comments yeah. and things that the Mets did? One, yeah. just you know, Gary and well, it was mostly Keith after you know he made that questionable call with the ball stuck, stuck in quotes under yeah. the the fence and he called it a double instead of a triple. And, you know, Keith is like, Oh, it's angel. Of course we should have expected it. <laughs> I know the home plate umpire making that call. Yeah, that was absurd. And then later in the game, they were showing, there was a clown making like a oh, balloon yeah. animal or something. <laughs> and then they fade from the clown and it's just angel Hernandez behind the plate. Oh. And it was so, it was so funny. And I forget, I don't remember if Gary or Keith noticed it. Uh, but it was incredible. What a great transition. The SNY, the SNY guys have really been on their game since since this just this whole season. Because there's been some great angles. Last night, I think Canna was up with the bases loaded or something. We had his face, the pitcher's face, and the view from like head-on looking at the yep. pitcher's mountain and the batter. It was, they're doing a lot of that this year, and it's been really cool. Yeah, it's a good been, job. It's been fun. Every every telecast is a good time, especially when they start talking loogie talk with madness and parliament, etc. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah it's Please. huge, huge, huge. All right, let's talk about the All best right. umpires. Who's the worst? Oh, the worst was uh, Nestor Seha. Who's the best? I mean, the guy we the, just talked about. The best <laughs> is. Uh, he was our week one winner and our week hey! 14 winner. So he's a wow. three-time 2022 Corey. Bill Clem Award winner. Corey Blazer, also hey. in the Mets game against the Pirates. Only two wrong calls the entire game. Uh, it's just incredible. Unbelievable game he again. Is. I've You know, I, I really respect Corey. Now, again, another young guy, I might add. He's only uh, 43. I'm sorry, he's only 42 years, 41 years old. So... Once again, the young guys showing the way. Uh, how did call call a game behind the plate? There's no doubt. There's a link there. And we, some, when we get our off-season umpire on the podcast, we'll talk a lot more about that. Oh, definitely can't wait. Cannot exactly. wait for that. Exactly. Um, what? <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's congratulate Corey for tying Pat Hoberg for his third win this year. It's going to be an interesting, interesting race for King of 2022. All right, let's move on to. The thrilling, thrilling album we listened to uh, two weeks ago, Tom Waits' Closing Time. Uh, I guess I'll start off since I recommended this one. Uh, this this album 
did an exceptional, exceptional job at putting me to sleep. This thing <laughs> was pretty boring, if I'm being honest. Um, but I think it's like an album for people who are drinking whiskey or leaving a party. It seems drinking like whiskey music... or just broke up with their girlfriend. Yeah, yeah it's, it seems like the music you listen to, like that you put on at a party for people to leave. Like now it's time to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's so, true. I mean, it, it, it had nice. It had some nice horns in it at times. It's pretty. It's pretty casual. Pretty mellow. I, I don't. I didn't really get why it was so famous. Well. Really. Uh... Well, I'll tell you one, one reason is because of when it was released in 1973. This was a very unique sound. It was a very, you know, folk was kind of phasing out at that point. And so, but this is a folky, like a beat, beatnik poetry type of thing, a Jack Kerouac type of stuff. So at yeah. that time, people were eating this stuff up, and he just did a beautiful job of of recreating some of that good folk stuff from the early 60s that people were still remembered how good it was and that they liked it. Um, nobody likes that stuff anymore, which is fine with by me, I might no, add. No. Um, so I, he kind of resurrected this style a little bit, you know, little Arnold Guthrie type of thing in there. It was, it's one of those that's like, I can see why people thought it was good, like, and I can see why people like it, but it's just not, not what I like. I liked Virginia Avenue okay, and I liked Midnight Lullaby, all right. Those are my two, and maybe I'll listen to that one again. Songs, Andrew. What did you think? Did you not like it as much as I did? I think I probably liked it more than you. Uh, I definitely still didn't love it, but I thought it was fine to me. Yeah, it was definitely, well, definitely bluesy, folksy, definitely mm -hmm. a little bit depressing to me. It was kind of like guy sitting alone at the bar drinking type of yeah. music yeah exactly. and it also maybe you know it could be could be like campfire camping music but more on in the background while you're just like sitting around talking it's not i think if you just yeah. listen to that in silence it would be a little bit too depressing <laughs> um so yeah it, it to me i didn't hate it uh virginia avenue was probably the song that stood out to me the most as well i liked Martha and Ice Cream Man, uh, and actually the first song, Old Fifty Five, was uh, was pretty good too. So yeah, not not in love with it. Don't know if I'll go back to it, but you know, it wasn't that bad for me. Yeah, like I said, it was big at the time. It was a very unique sound, and he put out a lot of good albums after this, and he's got a big cult following. But this is definitely one of the records where, like, if I did not smoke Doobie. <laughs> and I was listening to this. I'm like, give me some damn doobie because maybe that'll make this better. No, Jack, this is this is not doobie music. This is I told you, this is whiskey music. This is whiskey Andrew's and doobie. Right. It took me twelve nights to listen to this. It took job. me twelve nights to listen to this album. You know why? Because every song put me to sleep. What? So I, the next night I put on the next <laughs> song until I fell asleep, and the next night I put on the next song. Then I'll see. But you know, it's a beautiful thing if you love this kind of stuff. You know, um, this is not Lugie's kind of thing, but it is a classic. Now, he has another classic record that you may have been better off selecting. When he kind of changed his style a little bit, he put out a record called Rain Dogs in 1985. And um, things got a little crazier by Tom Waits with an album called Rain Dog. And that is his other classic record, but that one you might like a little bit more. But um, they're catchy tunes, mm -hmm. upbeat. Um, but, you know, Zach, you picked a, a classic record, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, oh, you know, you, you continue to bring the party down in ways we didn't think was possible. So congratulations. <laughs> I mean, Diana Ross, I mean, what can I say? You got it going on, dude. I'm going to say um, – I. I I have some, I have something to say. Uh oh, I'm in trouble now. I gave this a three point three, which Ooh. is less than you gave Diana Ross. So what are you giving this record? Oh, three point two nine. So this was in <laughs> fact better than the Diana. This was worse. Oh than yeah, the Diana. no, I definitely would take this record over the Diana Ross record. No, no, you gave Diana Ross a three point six. Too late. Oh, I'm sorry. Then I get us a three point six one. Can't take it back. Three point six one. 
No, can't take it back. Take what it back. Andrew, what did Andrew give it? More importantly, Andrew, what did Andrew give it? I'm going to go with uh, 5.3. 5.3. Okay, sorry for all our Tom he, You know, Andrew's got more class than we do. That's why he <laughs> yeah, that's to it. give it a good – he gave it a better ranking because it deserved a better ranking from a class, from a class perspective. He definitely has more class than us. That is hundred percent. Is there anything else? To, are we have anything else because I think we just about we're just about killing it now. I man. mean, our last our last oh, thing on more. the menu is Andrew's <laughs> got to recommend an album. All right, um, my my pick for this week is an album I came across that was in a category. Well, you know, it's a few genres, but a genre that I've never heard before called surf punk like okay. almost like like yeah. punk but punk you listen to at the beach huh, uh, right. it's like indie rock it's a little bit i would maybe call it grungy like a little maybe a little rough radio i listen to one or two songs so we will see but the album is called king of the beach by okay. waves and it's waves with two v's whoa um like when so, this I, album come out uh, it came out in 2010. Okay. And I've only heard one song. I did like the one song that I heard, uh, but I don't know. I haven't listened to any others. But uh, yeah, we'll see. It's got a pretty sweet album cover. It's got a cat yeah. with the Illuminati necklace uh, smoking the <laughs> smoking one of the Jack's doobies. There was a band called the Surf Punks back in 76. Mm. And they pretty much started it all. I mean, if you you might want to do yourself a favor, listen to some surf music. Listen to um, oh jeez, the Beach Boys. Uh, no, not well. Yeah, you can listen to Beach Dick Dale. Surfing USA. Come listen on. to some Dick Dale also. Dick Dale was a guitarist, and all his albums are Dick instrumental. Dale. But that was surf music. So that was your '60s Dick surf music, Dale. and then the surf punks and some other groups came along and, and just rolled punk into this surf music. And this is what you, what you ended up getting. So do listen to some Dick Dale and then go listen to, um, this album King of the beach by who? By waves, 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 right. Two V's. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So then, then you're, once you hear Dick Dale, then you'll be able to listen to this music and understand where it's coming from. So good choice. Good choice. Good Andrew. one. Good Thank you. This. Yeah. This will be, this will be better than any record Zach has selected since we started this, I have a feeling. Oh, my gosh. Do I have to bring <laughs> out the bangers that <laughs> I've recommended on I'm just on teasing, Come on. you know. Come on, Mr. Host. You know I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Right. Of course. You don't have to point that out. That takes away from the magic. All right. You guys, it was great to talk to you guys again. Oh, yes, uh, indeed. Yeah, I can't, fantastic. I can't. I can't wait uh, for next week. I hope everybody joins us again. Gary, of course, will be listening. So we'll have to show out again. I know he, he's been missing us. We've been kind of slacking yeah. on our, on, on our, you know, re- regularity. So we'll be back next week. Uh, you know, remember to follow us at Loogie Podcast on Instagram and, and you know, uh, TikTok and tell your friends about us and rate us. However many stars Jack wants you to rate. Um. 12. Good night. Good night, Finland. Good night, Finland. I'm waving the flag. Waving the flag. Good night. Good night, Finland. all. Good night. We love, you all. we love our listeners. Thank you. We owe our listeners everything. All Get the money we've money. made off this podcast, we should really start giving back. <laughs>